Every haunted place has a story with a dark past. This is Ghost Encounters Podcast. Due to the graphic and violent things discussed on this episode, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, all you spooky people, to the 16th episode of the first season of Ghost Encounters Podcast. I am paranormal investigator Justin Torok. And I'm Jordan, the captain for the day. (laughs) Since this episode came out just after the 110th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic, we will be diving into haunted vessels and tragedies. And wouldn't you say the most iconic is definitely Titanic? Yes, absolutely. So let's start there. The White Star Line's Titanic was built at the Harland and Wolf Shipyard in Belfast, Ireland starting in 1909 with construction taking three years. Titanic actually started taking lives from the start, killing eight men during the construction of the ship. After construction, it weighed 46,000 tons and measured 882 feet, eight inches, the distance of more than four city blocks. This was, in that time, considered the grandest and largest ship in the world. Yeah, they were competing with another shipping line, which I can't can't remember the name of it right now but they beat them in speed but they wanted to make up for it by having the biggest ship ever to sail the sea yeah not only that but the Titanic had what they considered the most luxurious accommodations they've ever seen first class was completely over the top second class on the Titanic was similar to first class of other ships and third class people actually considered it comfortable so I actually found out that the cost in 1912 was around um, 7.5 million dollars which yeah is extremely a lot considering it's around 400 million in today's dollars Holy yeah that it, it was a big deal um, I found out also that there's no there were no safety instructions or procedures when they like, got on the ship so basically people that were hired to work on the Titanic showed up when the passengers showed up and they just walked in and said hey where do you want me so there was really no great organization. This was the biggest ship ever built. <laughs> How did it even, workers didn't even know where to go. How to even direct people. Yeah, yeah. So um, there were two engines that they put in after, actually after they put the Titanic into water. They oh. actually continued oh, wow. building and all that stuff. So um, there were two engines. Both of them were 30 feet tall. They were capable of 30,000 horsepower, which is the same as 10 diesel locomotives at the time. Um, this was a super big deal. It was like changing the game, basically. And everybody wanted to be like the Titanic after they saw this ship. So Titanic actually had a nickname very early on. Before it even set sail, people called it the unsinkable Titanic. Yeah, and they cursed themselves by saying, God can only sink this ship or something like that. Yeah, that was the line. Yeah. God can only sink this ship. <laughs> well, you Which suck. is crazy. <laughs> it had 16 bulkhead doors, correct? Yeah. The design was that four of these compartments could actually fill up with water and the Titanic could contain its buoyancy. So there actually was um, a sister ship. There was another sister ship. There was three of them, but I can't remember. They changed the name of the third one, Mm. and I can never remember which one it is. But um, for right now, the Olympic was made around 1911, um, and one interesting little tidbit about it, it was designed previously than the Titanic, so they used the Olympic to make the Titanic. Gotcha. They, they used design features sense. of yeah, the Olympic yeah. to make the Titanic. Yeah, because it had those bulkhead doors, and they had a ship collision with a warship. Jeez. And there was a huge chunk taken out of the back end of the ship. And because of how it was designed with the bulkheads, the water never exceeded the bulkhead line where it would go into the next 
compartment. Gotcha. Is that what I want to say? Compartment. And um, it actually continued to sail, and it didn't sink because of that design, which is why they used it when they made the Titanic. Right. And that one had only a handful of compartments while the Titanic had 16. Yeah. So, of course, they yeah. thought, oh, there's no way anyone can sink this ship. Yeah. And you can look up photos online to show you exactly how big this hole that I'm talking about was. And one interesting fact is that the same captain was involved in that collision at, and then went to sail on in, in the Titanic. So you're saying Captain Edward Smith, who was the captain of the Titanic, was also the captain of the Olympic. Yeah. And they treated him like royalty. Like they, like how celebrities are treated nowadays is probably how he was treated back in his day. Like he was the biggest fucking thing. He was right. the biggest deal. And this was actually supposed to be his very last role as captain. Oh, was it really? Yes. I did not he know He was that. retiring after this trip. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Well, he cheated death once, and then he got on the Titanic, and he tried to do it again, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> so there's actually an interesting story about a, uh, a nurse named Violet Jessup, and she was actually on all three sister ships, the Titanic, the Britannic, and the Olympic. The Britannic. See, I forgot that name. And she survived all three disasters. Whoa, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, is that good luck or bad luck? <laughs> that you're like... on three ships that have feel like some it's, kind of disaster. It's bad luck for everybody around you, but you survive, so I guess it's good luck for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I did not know about that. Like, like a person being on all three. If I knew her, I would not want to get on a ship with her. Neither would I. <laughs> Then on April 10th, 1912, the Titanic started its first and last voyage, starting in Southampton, England, hoping to make it to New York City. Jordan, did you find any flaws in the design or any, any little uh, problems that happened after the Titanic actually set sail? Yeah, so I know that we had a discussion about these compartments before we, we decided on this podcast. So I being who I am, decided that I want to look into it a little bit more about the make and model of the Titanic and what else could be an issue other than just these compartments. So I actually found out while watching um, a documentary called 10 Mistakes That Sank the Titanic, um, there was actually a fire that was burning in the coal room when Titanic took sail. That's so not good. <laughs> it was on fire when they started taking passengers in. Um, so the fire burned for 10 days in the coal room, which eventually led to a warped bulkhead. And this was located in boiler room five. Um, and due to the damage, some water was actually leaking in at about one to two buckets per hour. That, and that was even before the collision with the iceberg. Right, like, it was already taking in water. So that means it was not watertight like the design was supposed to be. Right. And um, leading off that, the speed of the Titanic didn't really have anything to do with um, the captain wanting to rush to New York, like people would say. There's a new theory. Right, like what happened in the movie. Yeah. Like that wasn't the... Yeah, there's a new theory that says that um, the coal, they were using the coal to try to put out the fire, and then they had to keep using the coal that was lighting back up on fire, so they were putting it back into the engine, <laughs> and they were just hauling ass, burning coal everywhere. Gotcha. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that led to a big problem. And they found that out with research that there was actually, like, a line in the hall before, like, it even hit the iceberg. Gotcha. And that leads to a bunch of more problems that I'll get to. So going back to the bulkhead doors, just like in the movie when um, Mr. Andrews is talking about the design of the ship, the bulkhead doors don't 
reach all the way to the top of the yeah, floor. Yeah, they're shorter. The design is to allow the water to kind of flow from one compartment to the yeah. other, but because of this, it, it just kept filling up. And yeah, filling and, and it had nowhere to go. And if it reaches the top of the bulkhead, the, the whole process is pretty much useless because it's not. It's not. It's designed so that it doesn't spill over. So if it's spilling over and spilling over and spilling over, that's why he basically started shitting his pants. Like, we have two hours until this thing fucking sinks. Yeah. Leading into the make and model of the Titanic, there were three million rod iron rivets, um, and they actually had three times the amount of slag, which is an impurity when making iron ore, um, which was three times the amount of residue that was allowed to build. So they weren't even supposed to use them. Right, so some of the rivets were up to standard. Yes. And some of them weren't, and they were kind of weaker than the other rivets. Oh, that were absolutely, used. yeah. They, it's terrible. First off, it was a terrible idea to use iron ore. It's not as strong as steel. And there's things that happen when you change from like hot to cold with iron, it becomes more brittle. It can slip, slide, you know right. what I mean? And then we had the Titanic going from neutral waters to freezing cold waters yeah. in the Atlantic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so when they were exposed to cold, they became brittle. The reason that they had to use the iron rivets was because it was really hard to bring in the big machinery that they used for the other places in building. Gotcha. Because while they were building, this was the tighter place that they had to put these rivets. Right, so they, that, that big-ass machine couldn't yeah. fit to get those other rivets in, so they had to use the iron ones. Yeah, and iron is a simple, like, it's just a metal element naturally from Earth. And in comparison, steel is man-made. Right. So naturally, obviously man-made, it's made to be stronger, made to be used better, takes out impurities, all those other things that suck about iron, yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> then just a few days after the Titanic started its maiden voyage, on April 14th, around 11.40 p.m., the Titanic hit an iceberg. One of the guys in the crow's nest, his name was Frederick Fleet, he's the one that saw the iceberg and they didn't have their binoculars would they have had enough time to avoid the iceberg if he had maybe maybe not it's dark out you got you it's, pitch, it's pitch black out in the middle of the atlantic mm -hmm. you have nothing but moonlight and there's some fog yeah who knows if they would even have seen it um i, I read a fun fact that the key to the locker that had the binoculars was actually recovered from the wreck and it sold for a huge amount of money. I think it was like $150,000. It was sold for a huge amount of money in auction. It's crazy. Uh, he's the one that actually said the, the words iceberg right ahead. Oh, wow. By the time he said that, they had 37 seconds to react. Oh, my gosh. That's it. Well, I know that there's theories about if they didn't turn and they actually hit it head on, it would have prolonged, like it would have saved them. It probably would have, because it wouldn't have scraped along the entire side and mm -hmm. bottom of the ship. Um, and it probably would have actually ended up only filling up the first four compartments if they would have hit straight on. I think if they would have followed their own advice and did, because they had a double bottom, if they would have had a double haul, they, that could have probably saved them too. A little bit of time. At least a little, they just needed a little bit more time to get somewhere. Yeah. So after the crash, people were... Wondering what was going on. Like, it was obviously no, it wasn't that noticeable that it hit the iceberg. Like, there were um, quotes that I got where people said that they, if they had water in a glass, the glass wouldn't have even spilled from the right. jar from hitting the, the iceberg. So, people were just nosy and they ended up looking out of portholes that are in the side of the ship 
to see what happened. Um, and this turned out to be a big issue for for the sinking. Well, let me guess. People are opening all these porthole windows. Oh and yeah. And now, as the Titanic's going down, the water's just rushing into You're the windows. You're absolutely that were open. <laughs> correct. You are absolutely correct. So they were basically left open by the passengers when the crew members came up and said, "Like, hey, we want you to go to the like the deck." you know get your life vests on whatever um and they estimate that leaving 12 open portholes would have actually doubled the iceberg damage to the titanic so causing so basically take it hitting the iceberg again that amount of water was coming in if you left 12 of these portholes open Jeez, that's crazy yeah because it was dipping obviously we know because of the compartments filling because they left these portholes open the water was just Flying on in. Flying in, yeah. Yep. They're lucky they got the two hours that Mr. Andrews said they got. But if they would have closed these freaking windows, they would have they, they could have, have had a little bit more. more. Yeah, it actually took about two hours and 40 minutes uh, for it to sink around 2.20 a.m. I just think that that was fucking stupid. Like, I don't think people... I think you should have used your brain. Like, I granted, fr- they didn't know that it was actually going to sink. Well, right, but, like, it's, freeze- it's freezing cold out. Yeah. The, wa- the water surrounding the Titanic was 28 degrees. Yeah. Who leaves windows open? Besides yeah. you in the cold. Yeah, well, that's true. I was just about to say, you know, why pop those windows open? <laughs> but I'm not on a ship sinking, you know? No, like... no, exactly. <laughs> so with passengers and crew, there were just over 2,200 people on board. Over 1,500 people died in the two hours and 40 minutes that it took the Titanic to sink. Most of them plunging into the freezing 28-degree water. I did see an interesting fact that the Titanic's lights only went out when she finally went underwater due to the tireless efforts of the ship's engineers who stayed behind to keep the electricity and pumps running while the ship sank. Oh, wow. They're heroes for that because that allowed the radios to keep running and for the distress signals to keep going out via Morse code. The sad thing is not one of the 25 engineers survived. Aww. That's so sad that they they basically risked their lives to... Yeah, try to save everybody. Yeah. Because there were ships out there. Like, I I know that I was um, doing some research, and I know that there were three, and the one was only 10 minutes away. Like, that's a long time for a little ship, but, I mean, it's still, that's close enough to be able to try to come and save some people. Right. But um, when I was listening to this one podcast, it talked about how um, they didn't come to help because they were worried themselves that they would hit ice because there was just so much frozen icebergs and frozen right like people stopped like some ships stopped and waited because there was just so much freaking ice out there yeah the captain did get warnings yeah about the amount of icebergs that were out there yeah but they kind of just ignored it like yeah said, I mean, other ships stopped and waited or went slower he was dining with first class when he missed one of them. Tell him, hey, there's freaking ice everywhere. You need to yeah. relax. So once the ship went down, um, it was actually rumored that the ship cracked in half. There were so many eyewitness reports, but there was only so many that survived by the time the ship cracked in half and fully went down. Yeah. Because people, they started putting people on lifeboats and sending them out there. Unfortunately, most of the lifeboats uh, weren't filled to the capacity that they could be. Otherwise, a lot more people would have been saved. So here we have mostly first-class people in lifeboats rowing out in the middle of the Atlantic in the dark in freezing cold water. Who knows yeah. where you're going? Yeah. You know? But the only ones that were able, that survived, that um, saw the ship actually crack in half, was only a handful. It was confirmed 
years later that the ship cracked in half when they actually found the wreckage underwater. Yeah. Um, they say that uh, Molly Brown, the unsinkable Molly Brown, she actually watched it go straight up in the air, like, basically before it cracked. Like, she, right. like, described how it cracked. Granted, they found out that it wasn't actually straight up in the air, but, you know, when you're shitting your pants watching what you were just floating around on the ocean, yeah. and you're just watching it fall apart right in front of you. Well, you know? I, I could imagine that was straight up in the air, because, like you said, those bulkhead doors, you just spill one over the other. So as it's going down, all that weight is being pushed to the front of the ship. Yep, yep. And those rivets buckled, actually, when they hit the iceberg, which basically caused a bigger hole because right. they didn't design it well. Right, so they, all those seams yeah, then yeah. were allowing all this water and, to rush Yep, in. and because they used those iron rivets, it just buckled under yeah. pressure, basically. Cracked off of the ice, <laughs> just broke. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have all these lifeboats in the water. The ship that actually took in all those survivors and lifeboats was the Carpathia. And they said that they didn't even have the proper um, amount of lifeboats Per passenger, like for each of all of the passengers, on the Titanic, because right? they didn't know the protocol for it, because it was the biggest ship of its time. You know, they didn't know; they just went to their standard amount of lifeboats. Right. So, not necessarily they needed to double that for the Titanic, but they needed more lifeboats anyway. Yeah. So they didn't really, they didn't have their shit together. Not like that even would have helped because they weren't filling. filling yeah, I mean, the like, there wasn't there like one that had like five people in it. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. It was. Pro it's probably the you know uptight first class people not wanting to share space yep ridiculous <laughs> absolutely ridiculous and one of the richest men in the world at the time died on the titanic john jacob astor mm -hmm. he was in his 40s and his pregnant wife at the time was only 18 years old i'm making a face right now you people yeah, can't tell but i'm making gross. a face she did survive he tried to get on a lifeboat with her but they said no um, Doesn't that suck? As we all know, uh, it was women and children first, so I guess money can't buy you everything. Nope. Money didn't matter at the end. No. We all know that the moon causes tides. You know that, like, high yeah. tides and low tides are caused by the moon. So the moon's gravitational pull generates a phenomenon called um, tidal force. So the tidal force causes Earth and its water to bulge, have a bulging effect. Um, on the side closest to the moon and the side furthest from the moon. So those bulges are high tides. Gotcha. So um, they're actually just recently, I believe, starting to think that this could have affected the iceberg locations and oh. how this all, like, why there was more icebergs, like, in the ocean at the time and all that stuff. So on the same year, on January 4th, for the first time in 1,400 years, the moon was the closest to the Earth. Oh, wow. That's why I wanted to bring up tidal, tidal force and everything like that. So actually, they think that it led to higher tides. So due to higher tides, they think that icebergs cracked off and there was a way more amount, like a higher and above average amount of icebergs floating around the Atlantic Ocean gotcha. at the time that Titanic was actually right. setting sail. So I thought that that was really cool, so I wanted to look that up. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because yeah, it's not just the Titanic that experienced iceberg problems. All these other ships All of were... Them either stationary or going you know, really slow because there's so many out there. And they're used to, these These people traveled the Atlantic. Like, they were used to icebergs. This, Yeah, this path for ships to take is not uncommon. Yeah. Other ships took the same path. And obviously that theory is up for debate, again, like, for some people. Me, I think it's a very plausible thing. Yeah. But, you know, there's always something to debate Th this about. This was one of the worst tragedies um, of its time. 
absolutely horrible. I couldn't imagine freezing. I can't even stand in the summer when the pool's 70 degrees. Like, imagine when you're actually, like, cold getting into freezing, freezing temperatures. And then after so and so many minutes, your body completely shuts down. You're going to lose consciousness after so and so many minutes. Imagine being in the water for hours. The only guy that had his shit together was the drunk guy. The cook, yeah. They say (laughs) he was able to withstand uh, the cold waters because he was drinking so much whiskey. And he was swimming. He didn't stop swimming. Kept looking for people that were alive. He kept looking for boats. He flipped over a boat. He found a boat that must have toppled over or something. And he he hung out on that boat until he was rescued. Yeah, there were um, about six, I believe, survivors pulled from the water. That's it. That's it. Out of the 1,500 people that went down that day, about six. That's insane. In the water. It's insane. Can you imagine being on that ship? I mean, there's just, there's, there's screams and chaos. Bare, no one knows what's going on. The ship's going down. People are leaving in lifeboats. The, the lights are probably flickering because yeah. water's rushing. Like, so much chaos. Those survivors must have had some sort of trauma from this, some sort of post-traumatic stress. Like, I know that I was actually listening to a different podcast today, and these guys were talking about a kid, like a younger kid. I can't remember his age, but I knew he was young. He survived the Titanic, and he actually could never go to a baseball game. He loved baseball, but he could never go and sit at the game because the cheering reminded him of the sinking of the Titanic. I was reading an article that the city where the Titanic left from was deeply impacted because there was actually a school where half the kids lost their fathers. Oh my god. Yeah. That's so sad. And going and going back to that, uh, Frederick Fleet, the one who pointed out the iceberg, he actually survived. But later on in life, his wife left him and he committed suicide. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's horrible. So much tragedy and awfulness is attached to every inch of this ship. Mm-hmm. As we know, it lies in two pieces at the bottom of the Atlantic. But some of these pieces are actually being brought up. Artifacts have been pulled up and cleaned and restored. Pieces of the ship have been uh, pulled up. And there are now Titanic museums that house these things. Like, there's the one in Missouri. There's a real-life, like, portion replica of the Titanic. Um, Inside the museum, you'll find over 400 artifacts from the ship itself. Some of them being uh, passed down from survivors in the families. These items range from pieces of jewelry that have been handed down from survivors and even pieces of the ship. And they are said to still hold the spirits of those perished in the tragedy. Recently, employees and tour guides of the Titanic Museum have claimed to see mysterious apparitions and phenomena. The two main sightings being that of John Jacob Astor on the exact replica staircase that they built and that of a small child by the piano in the music room. Guests have even heard frantic screaming while on this tour. Oh wow, that's creepy. One of the ladies who's in charge of making sure everything's cleaned at the end of the day and wiping down all the windows, um, one night she was wiping everything down and she was almost done and went back to that piano room and she found two child-sized handprints on the glass. Sorry if anybody has kids, but kid ghosts scare me. Like, I don't know, there's something about kid ghosts that they're, they're just extra creepy, like, shining stuff. Like, yeah. that's just, I don't know, I don't mess with kid ghosts. One of the most interesting artifacts on display there, I think, is 
there's a life jacket on display that was cut from one of the floating bodies in the water. And like, how do you expect the place not to be haunted? Like, right, you right. pulled it from a dead body. <laughs> exactly. For Christ's sake. Exactly. <laughs> so, as you and I know, because we watched this episode recently, uh, Ghost Adventures uh, went there. And their episode is season 19, episode 12. 1912, the year of the sinking of the Titanic. Oh, shit, that's why you said that the other day. I was like, why does that matter? Like, I had no idea at the time. They definitely did that on purpose. Um, They caught, in the same room where those handprints are, they actually caught a small figure on the SLS camera by the glass. And when they went to that spot, there was more small handprints on the glass. That's insane. Then they did uh, an ovulus session. Uh, Right then and there, they asked, what is your age? And it replied, six. They asked male or female, and it responded female. So apparently oh, wow. a female six-year-old is the one putting handprints on the glass and is... But that just that validates room. what people see. Like, people have exactly. seen a little girl, and now you just have this fancy little doohickey, yeah. I don't know what the hell you call them, telling you that it's this little girl. Yeah. Like, that's insane. Like, how do you... Like, skeptics. How, how do you explain it? Like... You can't just look at that and say, oh... Yeah, it's different people. It happens, it's pe- you know? People come to this museum from all over the world. It's all different kinds of people saying the same thing. That's just insane. Know? That's that's crazy to me. And then uh, Zach was in a room in the dark, and he, he claimed to have seen the apparition of a little boy with, like, dirty blonde hair. The, the apparition kind of, like, vanished into another room, and at that time, the other investigator that was in that room saw the same exact apparition. What the hell? And when they followed it, it ended up at the child memorial. In the museum. I don't think I was paying attention at this point, because I don't remember this part. <laughs> I, I thought that <laughs> that's was... That's creepy. Yeah, it was creepy. But that's cool, though, at the cool, same time. But also a little sad. Oh, absolutely. Who wants to be a... Who, you know? Who they, wants they, to they, be stuck the, at a this place little, like that? This child spirit just led them right to where the wall is that shows pictures of all the children that yeah, died. Yeah, that's crazy. So there's actually another ship that sailed the same ports as the Titanic, and some say it was doomed because of that. This ship was the Queen Mary. Yep, which was built to be bigger and better than the Titanic. So, of course, we have these companies trying to do bigger and better. Yep. Again. Always bigger and better. <laughs> and it also had the same compartment design as the Titanic. They tried to still follow just in case it hit. Because it worked once, so they tried to do it again. I mean, it failed with the Titanic. But, <laughs> I mean, it is a good design. Like, it, it works. You know, it's just it can't sustain that much damage so no, i see why it, they it followed. can't sustain that much damage on the side of the ship but one penetrating force it could survive yeah. yeah right the queen mary uh set sail not too long after the titanic uh on may 27th 1936 the queen mary also departed from southampton england embarking on her maiden voyage the queen mary is actually considered to be the most haunted ship in the world Ooh. This ship carried some 2.2 million passengers in its peacetime and about 810,000 military personnel in the Second World War. Holy shit. Well, let me talk about that. As World War II started, the Queen Mary's transformation into a troop ship had begun. She was painted a camouflage gray color and striped of her luxurious amenities, and she was dubbed the Gray Ghost because of her stealth and stark color. Ooh. So during World War II, the Queen Mary was used as a troop ship because of how big it was and how many troops it could transport from one location to another. Who knows how many hundreds of, or even thousands of troops may have perished on the ship during these trips. 
Yeah. Some were wounded. Some had to be, there was a hospital there. Some people had to be taken care of. Some were sick. Who knows how many? And there was actually even prisoners of war on this boat. Oh, wow. That's insane. I didn't know that. Yeah. So there's no way of knowing how many hundreds of troops perished on this ship. And then during this time, wasn't there a crash with another ship? Yeah, um, there was actually a crash that involved the HMS Kurosawa. I hope I pronounced that right. I made sure I tried to look it up like 50 times before I tried to say it because <laughs> I'm terrible with pronunciation. But um, in 1942, 337 men froze to death when the Queen Mary didn't stop after striking it. So the reason that they collided was because of U-boats. They were worried about U-boats. Okay. So the... The Kurosawa was kind of like a... Um, escort for the Queen Mary. Yeah. Right? And they were told to move in like a zigzag pattern. Yes, that's yeah, I was getting to that. They're tr- they were trying to like kind of move back and forth. They, were, they knew that the Queen Mary was around but because of conditions and everything they didn't see it and then as the story goes, it was too late and they actually wound up colliding. And um, after the ship basically sank um, So the carousel sank. Yeah. And after a couple hours, um, 101 people were rescued, but most of the people, like like we said, a little bit over 300 people died. And that was the Atlantic Ocean as well, right? Yeah. Because it was right by Ireland. Yeah. Just like just like before. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's... that it's so tragic. <laughs> it's just terrible. Like, don't people learn? <laughs> no, no one learns. All these ships are, are tied to so many tragedies. Jumping forward a little bit on uh, July 10th, 1966... An 18-year-old crew member named Jay Petter was crushed to death by water weight door number 13. Why did it have to be number 13? Yeah. Some people say that this is actually the most haunted location on the ship. Um, That door is not there anymore. You just walk right through it. But people have claimed to see him. They've claimed to be touched, um, heard whispers, all kinds of things in this area of the ship. I actually was listening to something. And they actually referred to him as Half Hatch Harry. <laughs> I, oh, no. I don't mean to laugh. I know. It, but it's I awful. just am like, you people and your little puns, like, come on, there's a time and a place. And that was not it. Because when, the, when those uh, waterway doors go down, there's no force that's going to stop them. And there's, especially human bodies. So there he was, was rumors right that that was murder. And it wasn't an accident. Oh. There was an accidental rumor and that there was a somebody pushed this guy and killed him. Interesting. So yeah, if you watch anything about the Queen Mary, a lot of people say that's. I mean, there was. There, I think there's about 55 recorded deaths, and that a lot of them are mysterious. Yeah, I have that. There's um, 150 spirits that have said to be seen at the Queen Mary wow. still to this yeah. day. So the Queen Mary is docked in Long Beach, California. It is now actually used as a hotel, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, people just stay on this ship which is, I think, pretty awesome. But hundreds and thousands of people that have stayed there have seen spirits wandering around. There's a specific tragic story that stuck with me was um, a husband that came home from the war and he took his wife and kids, I think he had two daughters, to the Queen Mary and um, trying to better himself because he kind of like lived his life with a little cloud over his head after the war you know they didn't really get post-traumatic stress back in the day they didn't understand that theory and um i guess there's a little theory that he was almost talked into doing evil things by a spirit that was there like a malicious spirit 
And they also blamed it on post-traumatic stress, and he killed his whole family in one of the rooms. Holy shit. I can't remember the room number, but I know that after this accident, there was another accident in that same room, and they closed that room off. They wow. did. They left it so that nobody could stay there. And then on Friday the 13th of so-and-so year, they opened it up. They replaced They replaced everything in the room. They put Ouija boards in there. They put yeah, it at great this, thing to put in Yeah, there. it's like a little attraction for people to try to see if they could stay the whole night. You know, anything to make money. Right. <laughs> and um, they do a bunch of other things, like, you know, $50 a person for these, like, ghost tours and these, like, like um, pop-up events that happen there and yeah. stuff. So they do a lot of ghostly attractions. Yeah, the, the, during uh, October, there is a haunted house um, throughout uh, the ship as well. My stepsister, Brittany actually went through it and she oh said, really yeah she said it was horrifying oh my god if she says it's horrifying <laughs> i'm not going <laughs> she said when she was going to the haunted house on the queen mary there's this one section where it's just a long corridor and the lights are flickering and there was just a little girl with her back turned in the hallway and like you try to go up and she like doesn't let you move past her so you know what i said about kids earlier yeah, that's completely true still to this day. Because <laughs> that is scary. I wouldn't, I'm sorry, if I'm going into a room, a corridor, a hallway, whatever the hell you want to call it, and I see lights flickering and there's a kid down there, mm-mm, I ain't going. I'm going <laughs> the hell back. That's actually a little terrifying. It's <laughs> terrifying. That's like seeing the little Chucky doll in your hallway for Halloween every time you go up to yeah, take a piss. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> I get scared every single time, and I know it's there, but it's still scary. It's a little itty-bitty being. Pass. And going back a little bit, some of the first and iconic paranormal evidence actually came from Peter James' investigations on the Queen Mary. Peter James was a world-renowned paranormal investigator and medium. Uh, in 1991, Peter James first found the spirit of Jackie, a young girl of about five or six years of age. He asked who she was, and she audibly replied, meet me in the other pool. Mm -mm. Peter did as she asked and met Jackie in the first class pool. And what transpired there has now become part of a paranormal legend. Peter conversed with Jackie for over 10 minutes, and the whole conversation was caught on camera. That's, yeah, like when we watched this episode together, I was like flabbergasted because, I mean, the Queen Mary's dark. Like, you know, they didn't just send their daughter down the hallway to make some freaking noise. Like, yeah. you could tell that they were all, the team was just huddled in this one space around him. Like, they weren't, yeah, it didn't actually staged at all captured of Jackie on the stairs of the pool room. Get the freak out. Yeah. Oh, hell, I got the willies. There she is peeking over. This picture is going to be on my Instagram and Facebook, along with some other pictures of these places, if you want to take a look at it. Oh, no, no. Nay, nay. I'd be running. <laughs> that would get me to run. Yeah, so Queen Mary is considered the most haunted ship in the world, and it makes sense that she is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how can you deny that? Especially with over 150 spirits there. Like, come on. Yeah. And people can tell that they're different spirits. That's insane. Like, yeah. that's a lot of spirits. <laughs> Surprisingly, there's a lot of female spirits versus male spirits. Um, I believe in one of the, maybe the engine room or another room, one of the male spirits is a little bit vicious. Oh. Um, he kind of tries to attack women that oh. go down there. Well, yeah. screw him. Fine. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to sink into some more haunted vessels. Ghost Encounters Podcast is sponsored by the Eric Ledbetter Team with Iron Valley Real Estate. Contact the Eric Ledbetter Team for all your real estate needs. 
visit theericledbetterteam.com. Also sponsored by Phoenix Fire Media. Bring the heat to your online presence with their digital marketing experts, professional photography, and video productions. Visit phoenixfiremedia.com. If you're enjoying Ghost Encounters podcast, hit subscribe. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ghost Encounters PA. To watch full episodes of the Ghost Encounters show, visit ghost-encounters.com. And we are back. Jordan, what other haunted vessels did you find? So I actually found um, a place called Truck Lagoon. It's found in Micronesia, which is um, an area found in the Central Pacific, right off the coast of Asia. Um, it has the largest collection of shipwrecks on the planet. Oh. So basically it's a big-ass graveyard of, of ships. Of ships. Wow. Yeah. Um, in World War II, Truck Lagoon was the main base for the Imperial Japanese Navy. And in 1944, there was a, a huge attack that they also compared to Pearl Harbor. So if you imagine how devastating that was, right. this was compared to it. So it was called Operation Hailstorm. Um, the U.S. sunk a great number of Japanese warships. Um, that was battleships, aircraft, transport carriers. Right. They basically like wiped this place out. Um, Operation Hailstorm was also um, a major naval and air attack. And it lasted three days. Three days? So, yeah. <laughs> wow. And they didn't even see it coming. So they didn't even know that the U.S. was just rolling in to destroy them. Right. Um, interesting information that I found on it was um, there was actually a sub there, like a submarine, mm -hmm. that participated in Pearl Harbor. Oh. And it actually sank there. Oh, wow. Karma. And... Um, <laughs> It sank for a pretty stupid reason. I mean, it's terrible of me to say that it was stupid because people died. But um, so after Operation Hailstorm, these people were always, like these Japan, the Japanese people were always on um, high alert. They mm -hmm. were worried that another attack was going to happen. And because of the rumor of another air raid happened, they were um, basically worrying and really panicky about everything. Like if anything made a noise, they were going into panic mode. Yeah. So um, basically... The submarine that I'm talking about rushed to submerge underwater because they they heard something, alarms went off, whatever it was. The um, commander actually wasn't even there. He was doing business on land. Oh. So he wasn't even there with his crew. But because the crew was rushing to go and submerge and get to safety, they did not completely secure the command room. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, so they forgot to completely seal the control room. And it caused the cabin to flood. So naturally water's coming in, so they have to shut themselves somewhere. Yeah. So they basically shut themselves into a, another room, standing shoulder to shoulder. Um, there was 84 men on board, and every single one of them died. <laughs> um, 75 crew members and 9 officers perished. The only person to live was the commander that wasn't there. Right, because it wasn't there. Yeah, so... And the most devastating thing of the whole the whole accident was that it was a false alarm, and yeah, there were an yeah there was nothing there was nothing happening. Um, divers went to try to rescue them. They could hear the banging from within. Oh jeez. Yeah, as they wanted to try to save people, but um, before they could execute a plan, the banging stopped, and um, all of them died due to lack of oxygen. That's awful. Yeah. So the sub is actually still on the floor mm -hmm. of Truck Lagoon. You can go visit. There were later attempts to try to get the remains out, 
but it actually caused more casualties in the process. Um, divers were drowning, trying to um, Jeez, save the crew. causing more deaths. Yep, and they just decided to join the crew because they were <laughs> dying down there with them, which is really tragic. It was estimated that around 4,000 people died there. Wow. That's a lot of freaking people. Yeah. Um, and I found out that there were a bunch of ghostly happenings underwater. Underwater. Which freaks me out because I was a competitive swimmer and just being in a foreign place where you can't really hear and you're like, you're underwater, everything's muffled, you don't yeah. really know what's going on. And um, it's it's reported that divers were he- could hear voices oh. um, around them as they searched through the wreckage and also ghostly truck engines on the transport ships making like idle noises. Idle noises. So they could hear, yeah. And there also were reports that they could see flickering of the lights on the... Imagine that. Imagine diving down to this, a wreckage of all these ships and everything else. And all of a sudden you see the flickering headlights of like a car that was sunk. I'm not going to lie. You can edit this out, but I would shit my pants. (laughs) Like I would literally... I would not know what to do. I would probably go down to the bottom because I wouldn't be able to move. Like, my That's body would freeze. Terrifying. Yeah, I would be terrified. And I, I can't imagine hearing voices underwater because, you know, you can't really, like, hear yeah. stuff underwater. Imagine hearing clear voices yeah. underwater. Yeah, this place is really... And it's really eerie. So, like, if you, you can look up pictures and, you know, it's a big... Apparently a beautiful tourist attraction. Like, it is somewhere that people prefer to go to dive. Like, especially if you're into diving. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's rusted wreckage everywhere. Um, and it will remain there until it completely breaks down. So, I definitely recommend you to go visit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm not a diver. I'm yeah, you can, you can hear the whispers yourself when you explore the historic graveyard. <laughs> but also, fun fact before we go to the next one um there's a lot of caribbean reef sharks sorry i had to oh. include the sharks in this um they basically cruise around the area which is another popular thing for divers people that are interested right. in sharks like to go there um but reef sharks aren't really that aggressive it's not common that they're a part of you know attacks um but blood can change that so if you're hanging out with all this rusted, gross stuff, coral, right. whatever's growing on, on it, the rusted shit, yeah. piece of shit. Yeah, I never, you never know what could happen to you. Um, but one thing that really made me mad is that they do shark feedings right there in Truck Lagoon, that stuff's not good. where people dive. So you're gonna go diving, and people are gonna be feeding the sharks. So they're just gonna be looking for food after they get a little bit. They could go into a frenzy, you name it. Like, because reef sharks, they travel together. They're yeah. Like a pod. So I just had to add that in. Be careful of the sharks if you go visit because <laughs> you never know what could happen to you. That's a really interesting story. I, I, I still cannot imagine like diving underwater and seeing the flickering of headlights. Yeah, when I, when I was reading about it, I was like, this is a good one. This is kind of out of the norm. Like you yeah. wouldn't think going under the water that you would hear whispers or see right. trucks turn on. It doesn't and... matter whether something's underwater or not. It's still haunted. Yeah. Creepy. And the pictures make it even more creepy. Yeah. What else did you find? So I also found an interesting story about um, the Christmas tree ship. The Christmas tree ship? Yeah. It was named the Rouse Simmons. The ship was built in 1868 and it sank to the bottom of Lake Michigan in a winter storm in, ironically, 1912. Oh, the same year of the sinking of the Titanic. Yep, a couple months before that. Wow. So the cool story about this one... um, 
is that every year the ship traveled from Wisconsin to Chicago bringing evergreens for people, for okay. Christmas trees for yeah. people. It was basically for families that needed, you know, Christmas trees and couldn't afford it. So, and I love Christmas. So, it just tugs my little heartstrings to know that people just went, took trees, and tried to bring them around to other yeah. people. Um, so, this went on for over a decade. And the schooner, which is the name for the ship, I don't know what the difference between a ship and a schooner is, but um, it could load a little under 6,000 trees onto it. Oh, wow, that's a lot of trees. Yeah. When the ship sank, the bodies of the captain and the crew were never found. The captain that passed away left behind a wife and three daughters. Um, Yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, But, I mean, I'm sure that every other crew member had families. Um, One interesting thing that I found out, that there was a message in a bottle from the ship that washed ashore. Um, They don't really know if it's from this specific ship. They kind of just believe so because of how the bottle was put together okay so it was actually corked using a small piece of cut pine instead Uh, of like a cork yeah yeah. so um other than occasional trees that were caught in fishing nets from the wreckage the only this was really the only remaining discovery they found from the vessel and they could read the message which i thought was super cool they have that so it says friday everybody goodbye I guess we're all through. During the night, the small boat washed overboard, leaking bad. Involved and Steve lost too. God help us. Is that time to write a note? As cork, it, cork it with a piece of branch? Yeah, like somebody was just scribbling. Do they know like what caused it to sink at all? Um, just the storm, I oh, guess something. Kind of I don't know if they. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know if. I think there was something that said that um, because of the wind. The sails cracked. Oh, I can't put that. None of the bodies washed up. They must have all just been trapped inside, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if they were trapped. I don't. That's something that our listeners can read up on because yeah. I'm not sure myself. A wallet belonging to the captain washed ashore. Um, the wallet was well preserved, which was awesome because it was wrapped in oil skin. Oh. And it had business cards, newspaper clippings, and um, other things that had to do with what they did. Like wow, all these so positive that's a little historic find. Yeah. To wash up. Yeah. And the wallet was returned to the family. Oh, that's nice. And they could do what they wanted with it. That's yeah. Nice. Um, but some ghostly information is oh. that there are reports that the ship and its crew can still be seen sailing the same route that they used to travel before it sank. Oh wow. So people still report seeing an the old same ship. Yeah, like an old school ship. Um, can you imagine seeing like a scary ass goat shit. <laughs> like, no. You know what I mean? Like you're out there probably in like a little kayak or some shit doing your thing. And then you just see like an old ass Pirates of the Caribbean looking ship. Like <laughs> I would lose it. I'd be like <laughs> blinking my eyes right. 45 times. Just, I, I just couldn't imagine it. But um, to conclude that story um, in Chicago, they still do a reenactment. Oh, really? For the Ralph Simmons um, by the U.S. Coast Guard with a ship called the Mackinac. I thought that that was a really cool name, <laughs> so I had to add it. Um, so thousands of trees are still delivered by boat every year and given to families who can't afford them. Um, and there are other helpers other than the U.S. Coast Guard, but there was like a huge list of people that help out. And I 
wasn't sure if I should have a whole list of people that help well, out. I don't think they name a whole list. Yeah. But Coast Guard does the reenactment. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, There's it, like a bunch like, of volunteers. Yeah. That's a really nice uh, thing. Yeah, I just thought it was a do. cute little tradition, and I thought it was nice. You know, we had all these tragic things, and at least they're trying to do some good, yeah. you know? Well... There's one good note, but now it's back to tragedy. Ah, uh, shoot! <laughs> <laughs> so I have a couple. Uh, so I have a couple other haunted vessels to talk about. The USS Lexington, nicknamed the Blue Ghost, because the Japanese Navy actually reported sinking it four times during World War II. This aircraft carrier can now rightfully call itself a ghost ship, thanks to the number of spirits that's said to haunt it. Most famous, though, is Charlie a fair-haired, polite sailor who often gives tours of the engine room. Staff and visitors to the USS Lexington Museum in Texas have also spotted at least two other sailors and a Japanese pilot. Oh, wow. So there's this nice guy just giving a nice tour of the like, engine room. Here you go. I'm dead, but here you go. This is where I used to be. <laughs> yeah. That's cute. Then we have the USS Yorktown. 141 men lost their lives while serving on the USS Yorktown from 1943 to 1974 and many believe that some of those men have never left. Sightings have tracked shadowy figures, including one named Shadow Ed, and full-body apparitions in uniform. People have also heard footsteps, mysterious voices, and pans being tossed in the gallery. This one's located in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Don't you ever just like hear that stuff and you're like, like would I pick up that pan and throw it back? Like, you know what I mean? Like, would I get, right. like, would I get annoyed? Like, <laughs> whack, whack with this pan? <laughs> but imagine being in this huge-ass haunted ship, and all of a sudden, you just hear pans being tossed all over the place. It's crazy. Uh, that that would scare me. I, I think, it, like, being in the dark, looking and being in a ship, first off, my anxiety would be through the roof knowing I'm on water, <laughs> let alone deal with the ghosts. I The whole thing about being inside something that is all... Like, I would never never be able to go in a submarine i would have claustrophobia i wouldn't do that either paranoia out the ass like i could not do it so these people i, I salute you because i can never do this stuff i'd freak out the whole time <laughs> then we have the uss hornet queen mary was the most haunted ship uh, in the world this is considered one of the most haunted ships in the world Open for tours, this World War II-era aircraft carrier operates today as the USS Hornet Museum. Staff and visitors claim to see vanishing bloodstains and full apparitions in sailor uniform. Often, photographs taken in the infirmary reveal shadowy figures lying on the beds and people routinely hearing voices of men talking, as well as footsteps. Imagine, like, seeing bloodstains and then all of a sudden, they're gone. I would think I'm crazy. Like, right? That would be like... Or imagine taking a picture in the infirmary and then you have like sh person-shaped shadowy figures laying in the beds. Yeah. That's... It, this stuff is just insane. Like all these ships. like, And it's sad because these are these are military ships. Like, yeah. And this one's located in Alameda, California. Before we go, I have one last really cool story to share. It's called the Jenny. The Jenny is a ghost ship you might not have heard of, but it's a story worth sharing. The Jenny was found frozen inside of an ice barrier of the Drake Passage in 1840, almost 20 years after it first disappeared in 1823. Drake Passage is the treacherous waters that connect the southern tip of Chile to the northern tip of Antarctica. In 1840, the crew of a ship called the Hope sighted a battered ship before they realized it was actually a ghost ship. Although it was battered, it appeared to be manned. In fact, seven men were standing at attention on the main deck. 
However, as the hope approached, they realized that these men were not standing at attention. They were frozen solid. Oh my lord! Yep. Captain Brighton of the Hope was the first aboard the Jenny to investigate. Below deck, he came across the captain of the Jenny, eerily frozen solid, sitting in his chair, pen in hand, writing his last entry in the ship's log. The last entry in the logbook was this. May 4th, 1823. No food for 71 days. I am the only one left alive. The crew of the Hope grabbed the logbook and left everyone and everything as it was. Frozen. The Jenny still sails the Antarctic waters and has never been seen since. What the heck? I thought that was a really cool story. First off, 71 days with no food? I can't even last two days minutes <laughs> two minutes without food these poor people that's horrible that's yeah. a horrible way to die it's, it's pretty crazy I guess. and to freeze to death too yeah. i can't believe that seven men were kind of just standing on the deck like nothing like how did they not fall over like you know you froze you you know what this sounds like? It sounds like the day after tomorrow when people just froze instantly. Yeah, it, that's the, the crazy. The captain was still writing in his passage, pen in hand. He was and still your writing. body shut down and your eyes are still open. That's crazy. That's insane. That yeah. doesn't even like sound normal. Like right? Like, no. <laughs> it just sounds so crazy. But the ship has never been. But the ship has never been seen since. Wow. It still just kind of. It still sails around the frozen icy waters of Antarctica. That's so cool. That's a cool story. Yeah. Well, it's cool. Cool. I mean, tragic for them, but. Yeah. Sad. Cool, cool <laughs> That's not a good choice of words. <laughs> well, that is all the time we have for today. Stay spooky. And your captain is signing off.